Mindfulness Mode 154. Having mindfulness just it gave me a more vivid sense of self. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us. In case you've wondered, this is a special weekend episode. It's still in the same format as all the others. I just wanted to put Jake's episode up because his book has been published and you really need to have the opportunity to find out about it because Jake is an amazing young man. Only 19 years old when I interviewed him uh, just a month or two ago, so he's now had his 20th birthday but what wisdom for a man of his age I want to tell you that there's a whole anxiety side to today's interview you'll find out how Jake experienced anxiety and of course you may remember that I'm working on a program to help eliminate anxiety to help dissolve anxiety and I'm looking for beta testers on that so drop me an email bruce at mindfulnessmode.com if you are interested in being one of the beta testers I'm only looking for one or two more so jump on and get into that opportunity in the meantime sit back learn and enjoy from Jake Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Jake Heilbrunn on the line today. Hey, Jake, are you in mindfulness mode? Yes, I am. That is great. Jake is an author and an inspiration to youth everywhere. And not just youth, I'll tell you that right now. He's very much inspired me. He's written for Psychology Today, Thought Catalog, and Pick the Brain, and has also written his own book called off the beaten trail. He's a passionate speaker and writes a thought-provoking blog post every Wednesday. So, Jake, tell us about mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness to me means accepting what is happening in my life and being able to sit with it and be in the present moment and experience all the amazing things happening in my life. Well, you certainly... uh, proved that you've done that because I've read your book and wow, you've had a lot of interesting experiences. How did you manage to get to that point where you could just learn to accept what was happening? Because you had some really big, like I said, some really big challenges. What what point were you at where you were you arrived there? Well, for me, the whole journey into mindfulness started three days after I arrived at university. I was a freshman at Ohio State, and I grew up in San Diego, so it was kind of a big switch for me. I moved halfway across the country. I didn't know anyone. And three days after arriving, I broke out in hives all over my legs and arms, and they were really uncomfortable and painful, and I didn't know what was causing them. And Almost every day for the entire semester, I was waking up with these new hives and rashes that were breaking out of my body. And I saw all these immunologists, dermatologists. I had all these tests, pills, creams, and and nothing was working. And I developed this really severe anxiety. Almost everything was making me anxious. I never knew when I was going to break out. I just kind of lost a lot of my confidence. And so mindfulness actually found me. Um, I, I remember signing up for this workshop, a mindfulness workshop at school, and I remember the fe- how I felt after that, you know, while I was so anxious, but getting to experience mindfulness was unbelievably peaceful, and it kind of sparked the interest for me onto this mindful path. So did that mindful path include meditation of some form? 
Yeah, it did. I actually started with um, like a guided meditation on YouTube. It was called The Honest Guys. I would listen to them and it's peaceful music. And that was kind of just letting myself focus on my breath. And I, I started having these incredible mindful moments as well walking. I mean, I was so unhappy while I was in school. And I, and I remember just, I would have these moments where I would stop and like look at the light reflecting off the trees or look at this pond, the ripples. And, and I'd never taken the time to just stop and notice these small details in my life. And it was in these moments where I would find this peace despite all the anxiety and the discomfort I was in on in all other areas of my life. So it really, it really found me. And so as you continued to to meditate, did you find that the rashes and the hives started to lessen? Yeah, definitely. And it it was definitely a, a process. So, you know, I the first semester was about five or six months. And the second semester is when I took the leave from school and then I hopped on a flight to Guatemala two months after. So I would say the period between starting my mindfulness, which probably started a month and a half after getting to school, um, it took a couple months for me to really be able to sit and like get experience the, the fruits of mindfulness. At first, it was difficult for me to just zone everything out. But it really did start making a difference, um, especially when I made the big lifestyle change. So tell us what went on in your mind to arrive at that decision where you would head to Guatemala. Yeah, well, it all it's funny. So for those of you who don't know, Ohio State is a huge school and they love football. It is a big deal. And so I went back for the second semester and the very first night was of the second semester was the national championship and Ohio State was in the game. And they won and it was crazy. It was mayhem. Everyone was celebrating and everyone seemed so happy. And I woke up the next morning and I felt miserable because I realized that I was so out of alignment with what I wished to be doing. Everyone around me had this love for the school and that I had really nothing I wanted to do with. <laughs> and so I saw this career counselor the next day who I'd seen a couple times the first semester. And she asked me these two questions that, that changed my life. And the first question she asked me was, if you leave school to travel, and we had talked about traveling in this option many times before, she said, what is the worst thing that could happen? And of course, when I had thought about this before, I was catastrophizing. I was blowing up this idea in my head to this unrealistic proportion that I, by leaving school, I'd be this beggar on the streets and all of the, this big failure. When I said the realistic worst things out loud to her, I started laughing because they were so unrealistic. And then she asked me, what would the best outcome be if you left school to travel? And it was in that moment where I imagined myself like traveling and experiencing these ways of life and maybe even having, you know, writing a book about this experience. And it was in that moment I did, made this decision to leave school. And then I came home and, and researched and ended up finding an opportunity in Guatemala. Wow. And you really did. I'm fascinated with the story of your father because you've you share that with us in the book as well. And I'm just wondering how much of that influenced your desire to get out there and do what worked for you. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my dad has played a huge, huge role in my life. And, you know, subconsciously, I think in the beginning, now I had the hindsight and as expressed in the book, um, my dad um, kind of went down the path that was prescribed for him 
he went to medical school and got a job in a pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, he was a really hard worker and, and did a really good job, but he absolutely had no passion for what he was doing. And about 10 years ago or nine years ago, when I was 11, coming home from school one day, I learned that my dad had kind of quit his job. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but he, he had experienced episodes of major depression. And he, you know, for the last couple of years has not necessarily found his next thing, the next thing that's called out to him. And for me, starting this path in school, like, and, you know, my skin conditions, I started really thinking about life. I almost went through this existential crisis, but I knew what happened with my dad, like what happens if, you know, if you don't have a love for the thing you're doing, and if you don't consciously make a decision to create your life, and that played a huge role. And I, I talked with him a lot about it. And, you know, I'm very lucky he's very supportive of me today, although he was definitely nervous about me hopping on a, a flight to Guatemala at 18. But he was he was proud of me for having the courage to follow my heart because he said he never had the, he never did that himself. Right. And you shared in the book that that he had an interest in writing when he was younger. Does he still have some of that interest? Yeah, it's funny. He's he, I write a blog post every week and oftentimes I'll send it to him and he, he, he always sends me articles and he's an incredible writer. So it would be interesting to see if he he does something in that field as well. I, I wonder if if I got the trait, the writer's trait from him. Right. Well, this is it. I'm wondering if you can inspire him and if he's maybe starting to find find a new direction for himself. Yeah, no, I, that was definitely one of my goals. And I think he's he's definitely changed a lot in the last year, especially since I've been home. And um, he's seen kind of like the, the change that I went through from being really depressed and unhappy um, to just being lit up by this passion for, and zest for life that I feel very grateful to have. Right. So how long did you spend in Guatemala? I spent two months in Guatemala, and then I spent two months um, through Nicaragua and Costa Rica after. And I started in Guatemala, just to give the listeners some context, I, I researched a site called WorkAway, which is essentially cultural exchange. And I wanted very little structure. And so what I loved about WorkAway was you could find a host. You essentially create an online profile and it's just between you and the host. If you guys hit it off, then it works out. And so I, I saw this profile and it said, whatever your skill set may be, the people of Paten need your help. And so I sent him an email and I said, I'm 18. I have no professional skills, but I'm willing to do everything I can to make a difference. And I could teach English and soccer. And he said, come on over. And so I spent six weeks teaching English in this rural town, and it was just an unbelievable experience. Wow, yeah. And you, you share it very eloquently in the book, and, and just I can hardly put the book down you know, as I'm reading it because it's so interesting and compelling and so hard to believe that a 19-year-old has the insight that you share with the reader there. What do you, do you attribute that to? Oh, I appreciate that. And honestly, I think a lot of, I think a lot of young people do have, um, you know, do think about life on a deeper meaning and have these, you know, spiritual connections. And for me, I just found that some, I love just thinking about, you know, kind of like the purpose of life and living intentionally. And I 
I don't know. I think it was a mixture of all the experiences I've been through. I mean, literally and figuratively, I was off the beaten trail. And having these experiences, being immersed in the jungle, like it makes you question the grandeur of Earth. And, and being able to articulate these ideas onto paper is just something that I have a huge passion for. So to get to share with the reader my thoughts and you know the expressions that all these humans that we all experience is just something that I have a pleasure to do. And so, Jake, where did all this take you? Where are you now? So now I am living back at home, about to publish the book, and I'm, I have a part-time job working um, for a company that bridges the gap between millennials and managers, and I'm just really enjoying uh, life right now in San Diego. Um, I'm super passionate about getting the book and messages out to the world. I'm planning on speaking at some more high schools this fall and anywhere else where I can connect with students uh, to inspire them to live purposely and make conscious decisions as they go forth on their careers and, you know, experiment and travel, you know, we're at the young age where we can do that, but also connecting with people of all ages because it's never, I don't think there's such a thing as to be too young or too old to make a difference in this world. So you shared a lot about your anxiety in the book. Do you still have bouts of anxiety? And how about when you go to speak at a school or something like that? Is that challenging for you? Yeah, well, speaking at a school is something I, I have a huge passion for, for speaking. Um, I've been in Toastmasters about a year, and I, I actually had the great opportunity to speak at the high school I graduated from in front of 2,000 kids sharing my story. And I think, you know, you get a little bit of nerves, of course, as a, as a speaker. And to me, the, it's, it's exciting nerves. Like, I, I interpret the nerves for public speaking as if I'm going to, you know, bungee jump. Or, you know, do some extraordinary adventure, which I love to do. So to me, it's like positive nerves, but I, you know, definitely get nerves. But I found that I have such, I'm so intent on why I'm speaking and I'm so connected with like the passion of the message that I'm trying to convey that I'm not so anxious about it. And I realized for me that my anxiety was stemming from a misalignment with what I was doing with my life and what I wanted to do. So now that I've made that leap, it you know, that anxiety has really gone away. And what do you want to do with the rest of your life, Jake? <laughs> That's a great question. I want to do a lot of things, but I think primarily in the next couple of years, I'm really passionate about um, speaking and writing and and possibly creating a curriculum for, for gap or students who wish to take a gap year where we could create some sort of um, travel and service experience while also teaching personal development and these tools of meditation and mindfulness because none of these things are really taught in school and they can make all the world's difference in how to handle problems that arise in life that are unexpected. I'm fascinated that as a 19-year-old, you've written an entire book. There aren't a lot of 19-year-olds that have done that. Can you share with us how that helped to fulfill you as a person? I mean, it's obviously helping the reader, but how did it uh, help you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. There's There was a, a speech I watched, and maybe it was a blog as well, by Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, and she shared something really powerful that said, in, in writing a book, it, it, it as much as it is for other people, it must also be for yourself. You must have this sense of, like fulfillment that stems from writing it. And I definitely would ex agree with that. I feel like writing this story was a healing journey for me, um, you know, getting to share these messages, but also to reflect on what I had been through and articulate it into words that are going to be on paper forever. 
And going through the process from three months, waking up really early every morning and writing for four hours a day, writing about 106,000 words and then having to trim that down. Um, I, had, I knew nothing about you know, how to write a book, how to hire an editor, how to outsource because I'm self-publishing it. And so all of these things have you know, came about because I thought about the person I wish to become, which is an author, and to get this book. So it has been an unbelievable ride. And the fulfillment that stems from having this book from the initial idea to a creation is a feeling that I cannot explain in words. So did you know when you set out to go to Guatemala that you were going to write this book? It's funny. I I had it in the back of my mind and I I had a journal with me, but um, I don't know if you'll remember this scene from the book, but about two months in, I had this experience. I was living in this town called San Marcos in Guatemala. It's kind of like a known for a spiritual um, kind of Mecca, you could say. Right. And I had heard about this cacao shaman at the hostel I was staying at, and it sounded a little out there, but I said, you know what? Like, I'm here. I would, let's try it. Why not? And so I went with a couple of friends to this, this ceremony, and this guy looked like Dumbledore, but six foot five. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like I had time traveled back to the 60s. Not that I knew that, but it felt like this Woodstock type thing. And, you know, cacao is just the purest form of chocolate and it doesn't like cause you to hallucinate or anything. It just, you know, increases your blood flow by like, I think 40% or something. So you kind of get that little caffeine high. Right. But he guided us through this meditation where he said, I want you guys to smile. And it's called glow meditation. He said, just smile and think of this happiness. And I started doing it and he said, you know, you can fake it till you make it, which I definitely did because I, I was like, this is kind of weird. My cheeks, I feel that plasticky feeling from like fake smiling but I, a couple minutes in, I had this vision of me walking on a stage, speaking, holding the book that I wrote. And it was so clear. I was wearing a white shirt. And in that moment, and this was like maybe a year and a half ago, I knew that I was going to write the book. And that moment has literally guided me from literally to today of having that book. And I knew then that I was going to turn this possible idea into a reality. No stopping me. <laughs> Wow. And so, I mean, you just stuck with it four hours a day, four hours a day, four hours a day. Tell us what some of the struggles were like when you, when you just felt like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get this book finished? Yeah, that definitely came about. Um, I'm, so I learned the importance of having a strong routine, which, which proved to be extremely helpful to me to get the book, you know, 100,000 words in three months. Um, I actually wrote about that in a, an article for a thought catalog, my routine, which I can share, which is, you know, writer's block is sort of inevitable at a certain point, especially when you're writing a lot. And yes. I would wake up early and I would take a cold shower first thing in the morning, which I found really helpful because A, it woke me up physically and mentally, cold water jolts your body. But B, it's like I starting my day doing something uncomfortable. So it prepares me to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And the second thing I would do was heat up some green tea and then I would sit down and do a, like a 10 to 15 minute guided meditation on YouTube. Um, usually I would mix between like a guided mindfulness meditation or just listen to like calming music to get my mind right. right. And then I would begin the writing process and I would usually be able to write like about for one hour straight of like until I kind of needed a break. So I'd get up, stretch, um, write a little more and then I would go to yoga or go work out. And then I would get back to it and write for two more hours. And by the by the end of that four-hour period, roughly, I kind of maxed out my creative juices <laughs> to, to create quality, at least what I felt was quality writing. 
But that routine, really, I did that for about three months, and it proved to be really helpful, especially when you hit writer's block, to have these, you know, little meditations and and yoga and, and working out to help, you know, get some mental clarity. And Jake, did all this take place after you returned from your trip? Yes, I started writing the book the day after I got back from Central America. I see. I see. Wow. And well, that's great advice, you know, getting the routine, getting that habit established and you're just doing it no matter what. You're just doing it. Now, did you edit the book yourself as well? I went through a couple different rounds. So after I wrote the book, I I just put it down for like two weeks, didn't look at it at all. And then I went through it again. And then I had a couple family members and friends go through it. And then I sent it to an English teacher from a high school who taught AP English. So she looked at it and did a whole edit. And then I hired a professional editor. And then I did two rounds of about 10 different people of beta readers and more edits, um, which included someone who edits documents for a living to you know teachers to also high school students because I wanted a wide variety of age and you know demographics to read my book um, to give me you know some advice and feedback so it was definitely a process sure so what was the most surprising challenge you had in doing this project I think the most surprising was maybe just me being a little naive about what it takes to write a book at least of this length and how much work goes into it um, I didn't know like what it would take to have to, I don't know, outsource like hiring a, a cover designer and, a, and an interior formatter and get someone to create a logo. I had never really had much of like an entrepreneurial experience and this book has required me to do that. And so learning how to manage and work with like three to four people at once and, you know, try and be, make things as smooth as possible for them has definitely been a learning challenge for me. Right. And then you're continuing on with your writing by making sure you write a blog every week on Wednesdays. Do you usually write it like the day before or do you have a whole lot of blog posts already written? How does that work? Yeah. So I've written a post every Wednesday since I think September of 2015. And when I launched the blog, I had about 10 written. And, you know, during that time, I was also writing the book. So it it was definitely a lot. But today, it's, it's become so much of a habit in my life because I've done it almost 50-something times that I start thinking about ideas for a topic usually on Sunday. And Sunday's a day where I, you know, I, it's, I'm usually reading a lot. So a lot of times my ideas come from what I'm reading. And then I usually actually write the post Monday, let it sit for a day, then go through edits and then post it on, on Wednesday. And how long are your articles usually? Usually around a thousand words, some a little less. Some go on to the two thousand range to you know where I really dive into depth. Yeah. So what's the name of your blog, Jake? My blog is called Eyes Fully Open. Um, I actually just moved everything to my website, jakehodron.com, and so the blog there is still called Eyes Fully Open. But um, for me, that represents living fully aware and you know trying to live with intention and and conscious creation. Right, right. So you you talk about quite a few uh, mindfulness kind of topics on there. Can you share something that you've just recently included in your blog that that relates to mindfulness? Well, yeah, I I actually recently wrote a post um, about energy, like ways to increase your energy and productivity. And one of the ones I put was um, when I'm when I'm trying to put 
do something creative or work that I, I always turn off my phone, turn off all my computer notifications so I can write without distraction. And I found that that's really allowed me to kind of get into the zone. But also when I need to take a break, you know, sometimes I'll go check my phone and other times. But when I really have to get something done, I let, I don't go back to the technology. And, and for that break, I'll just kind of sit on my couch or sit on my bench outside and just kind of, you know, look up, admire the day because sometimes the distractions can take me away from my work. But when I just sit and allow myself to be present, I've found that these ideas can flow through me. Right. Jake, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've seen how mindfulness can really make a huge difference in the lives of children or adults who have had bullying experiences. Do you have a story about a bullying situation that you could share with us? You know, I can't necessarily recall a specific memory about being bullied. I mean, I, I was always small for my age, so I, I think I might have internalized a lot of that and ma made a lot of jokes kind of out of it. That was kind of the way I, I swung with the punches, I guess. Right. Um, but I found for me that mindfulness has been a huge beneficial factor um, dealing with anxiety. And I think, if, you know, the statistics are kind of staggering um, with high school students and college students. I mean, almost 20% of Americans suffer from an anxiety disorder and the numbers in college are unbelievably high. And I didn't even know about mindfulness, like what it was until I got to that workshop. And for me, having mindfulness just, it gave me a more vivid sense of self and let me realize, like kind of helped create that spiritual connection where what I'm experiencing now, I can kind of take take my focus away from the things that are you know causing me discomfort and just to connect with myself and acknowledge the beauty of the moment in front of me. And when I when I spoke at that high school, I I spoke to a lot of kids after the speech who came up and talked to me. And it's interesting because a lot of kids aren't familiar with mindfulness, but I think it offers such a powerful solution because so many kids you know, whether it's bullying or anxiety or depression or going through these difficulties and mindfulness offers such a powerful tool to help them, you know, cope and deal with these situations. Right. So do you think in some ways that anxiety was caused by, you know, sort of your mind bullying yourself and causing those internal conflicts? Absolutely. I had a very low sense of self-esteem um, I, I was kind of just mad. I, I was always questioning like, why me? Why, why am I getting this chronic skin condition? I was very hard on myself and that only made things worse. And I remember when I started getting into the mindful topics and, you know, delving into certain books that the importance of self-compassion, which, you know, when you're an 18 year old guy, <laughs> like it's, it doesn't seem like the cool thing to talk about or learn about, but um, I remember I started reading a book called Self-Compassion and it was like, wow, like the importance of having kind thoughts to yourself and like trying to catch yourself when you say, ah, oh, I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like, you know, trying to change those thoughts and replace them with positive ones. Right. Do you have a uh, plan for another book, Jake? Um, at the moment, I don't, although I would say I'm 100% positive that I will be writing another book. Um, my focus for now is just getting this book out to the world and, um, yeah, that's kind of the biggest, <laughs> it's been such a, such a heavy, heavy ride so far that I just want to focus on this one. 
Oh, sure. Jake, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who you would say has influenced your mindfulness practice? Well, I would have to say it was probably a book by, so you could say Eckhart Tolle. Um, I read his book called The Power of Now when I was in this living in the spiritual community in Nicaragua. And that book has fundamentally changed the way I think and view mindfulness and being present. I remember when I, I read this part in his book about how you are not your thoughts, you are the thinker of your thoughts, and how every time you're, you're trying to be, you know, be present and you, you find yourself you know, riding into the thought, like to imagine yourself pulling yourself out and watching yourself think that thought. And I don't know if I articulated that very well, but that has <laughs> fundamentally changed the way I um, view mindfulness and how I stay present because I, I, every time I, I catch myself, I almost like snap my fingers and I refer back to that moment sitting in that spiritual community on this island in Nicaragua where I read those words from Eckhart. And that whole book just is such a wealth of information. Oh, it really is. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Jake? It's definitely been a, a huge way for me to process difficult emotions. I think it was definitely um, easier for me to just kind of try and ignore difficult emotions, but mindfulness has allowed me to just sit with them, those emotions and so I can fully deal with them as opposed to just ignoring them. So tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is a huge part of my mindfulness practice. Um, whether it's surfing or working out or doing occasional transformational breathing classes or just sitting at home, um, breath allows me to kind of, you know, either work out. If I'm working out, it helps me to lift weights or run more. And if I'm sitting at home, it allows me to kind of facilitate getting into that state where I am at that peaceful sense of mind. So I always ask if you could recommend a book, and you've already talked about The Power of Now. Is that the book you would recommend, or do you have another one as well? That's an amazing book. I think for mindfulness, that has been the most impactful one for me. But a book that I always say that if I could pass on one book would be Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's about his story um, overcoming or surviving these Holocaust concentration camps. And he talks about how we can find meaning even in suffering. And I just feel like everyone should read that book because it just gives you new insight onto life and how you can live and thrive and find meaning in whatever you're experiencing. Yeah, for sure. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I use Headspace, which is an awesome app that kind of guides you through these 10-minute guided meditations. And the really cool thing about Headspace is it, it tracks your progress. So um, Andy, who's the guy who's speaking, and he's got this very like pleasant English accent, so he like guides you on this journey. Um, it's great because he he goes the progress. He he knows your progress because you have to pass day eight to get to day nine's meditation. So it's it's beautifully created where it goes with your personal progress. Right. So what advice would you give a person who is new to this idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I would say be patient. <laughs> That's definitely the big one. For me, I remember, especially with meditation, um, it didn't come to me very quickly. Like It's definitely a muscle that you have to build, but uh, be patient because the fruits are truly incredible. 
And what else is incredible is that you have so much wisdom for a 19-year-old. You know, it's hard it's hard to comprehend almost. And I just I just applaud you, Jake, for having written your book and got getting your thoughts down that way. How can we get our hands on a book and how can we connect with you, Jake? Well, thank you so much. And yeah, so the book Off the Beaten Trail is available on Amazon in both print and Kindle versions on the 28th of September. And um, my website, www.jakeheilbrunn.com, has all my stuff, um, all my blog posts, um, inspirational videos, my book trailer, and all that information. So those are probably the biggest. And then just, you know, social media, just my name, Jake Heilbrunn. Right, and let's spell that too, H-E-I-L. B R U N N two N's at the end. Yes. So yeah, we want to make sure everybody's got that spelling because we got to go to jakehilbrun.com and check this out. Jake, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. It's been really great talking with you. Oh, thank you so much, Bruce. It's been a it's been a blast. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day and and take care. You too. Okay, bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. So take what we've learned today from Jake Heilbrunn and use it to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.